Welcome back to DQB Does, the Drafty Quarters Podcast Network movie review show where we will not ask you to suck our dick, have sex with our wife, or watch us while you, or watch you while you have sex with your wife. With me this evening is my co-host, Russell. Thank God. We also have a special guest, Barry. What's up? What's up? How you doing? Pretty good, I guess. Cool. Uh, we are uh, concluding the first annual uh, Nick Cage Appreciation Month. Fuck yeah. Uh, with the unbearable weight of massive talent from 2022. It's rated R an hour and 47 minutes. An hour and 47 minutes of fucking gold. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, so basically Nick Cage plays Nick Cage, uh, and, uh, there's a plot in the movie about a kidnapping of a president's daughter, uh, of a foreign president's daughter by a criminal organization. Um, but it's kind of like. That's the, it's like a meta trailer hook to get people to watch the movie, to get people to watch the movie in the movie. <laughs> anyway, it's really, the movie is about, uh, Nick Cage has some prob- financial problems. He's just, he's divorced, recently divorced. Uh, he owes the place that he lives at like $600,000 and he gets an offer to go to this guy's birthday party for a million dollars and at first he turns it down because he's trying to get a uh, a gig uh that's a life-changing career making gig and he gets turned down uh so he takes he takes the million dollar offer to go to the birthday party um and the birthday party is for uh uh javi gutierrez who is a uh olive oil magnate um <laughs> Sure. <laughs> uh, played by Pedro Pascal. And uh, he goes there, and apparently Javi had, like, written a script and sent it to his agent, but uh, Neil Patrick Harris decided to throw it in the trash instead of even telling him about it. Um, <laughs> and you find out that Javi is, like, obsessed with Nick Cage in, like, a really endearing, cool way and, like... Yeah. But not in like a creepy ass way. Not in like a Selena way. Yeah. Um and the movie is like about their friendship that they they have despite the CIA trying to find this girl who was kidnapped, they think by Javi, uh but it turns out to be his cousin Lucas who actually runs the the Gutierrez crime family. And Javi is a figurehead because his dad was the was the head honcho, and then when he died, Javi didn't want to have anything to do with it, but he couldn't leave. So when Lucas took over, he became the figurehead. Yeah, I really liked that turn. Yeah, it was fucking fantastic. Because uh, like the whole time up until you find that out, because like you think that Javi is the bad guy, yeah, but he's like he's so in love with Nick Cage that he like. He's like treating Nick Cage like gold, yeah. You know, but he, th- you think he's really actually a bad guy, but you never yeah. get any like 
through the play of the character, you never get any inner like thought that he could be a bad person. Yeah. He's like so nice and just like charming and almost yeah. childlike in yeah. his love of Nick Cage and of movies and stuff. Yeah. So you're waiting for the turn to be Oh fuck, he is a bad guy. Yeah, oh fuck, he's a bad it's guy. Not. And then he's not. <laughs> There's kind of like a tiny spot when they're uh skeet shooting. Yeah. He's he's like, lying don't to lie me. to me. Don't fucking lie to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's like a tiny moment, but then he's like, it's about how you've been a bad father. And he's like, oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) You're letting it bleed over into your work, which feels like a weird thing. Yeah. Like, like your real life, your real life trauma is affecting your creativity. (sighs) I mean, it can affect it negatively or positively, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it could. It could. It just felt kind of weird, like, to call it out like that, the yeah. way they did. But... Well, I mean, but he's also just, like, he's he's kind of childlike, right? So he's yeah. like, you know, we've got to fix this. So I flew your family here <laughs> to have a conversation about your problems. Because <laughs> we can just fix it like that. It works like the movies, right? No. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so the, the most of the movie is about them becoming friends and like the shenanigans they get up to. Yeah, it's and... about real people and <laughs> it's, a, it's an intelligent <laughs> adult drama with a little absurdist humor. Uh, uh, but then it, you know, towards the end, and, and it's like brewing in the background the whole time. This like CIA hit uh kidnapping plot uh and then towards the end it like kind of goes full bore in like the third act um uh lucas finds out that nick cage is working with the cia to find this information about uh javi and where this girl is and uh he tells javi that he has to kill nick cage or he's gonna kill javi so then (laughs) yeah then javi and nick cage like have this face off (laughs) Uh, and uh, and then they're like I don't want to kill you I don't want to kill you you're the last person I would want to kill I love you man I love you too and then they start getting shot at by Lucas's men because Lucas knew that Javi wouldn't do it um, so then uh, he, Andy also wants Javi out of the way because he just wants he wants to be able to live the life that Javi's been living uh, because he's doing all the work in, in quotes um so then that begin begins like you know a car chase and a shootout and then like the CIA agents dying and then they make a plan to go save the girls where uh uh Lucas was supposed to be meeting up with this uh Italian mobster uh that nobody's seen in 15 years so they dress Nick Cage up as because his wife is there or his ex-wife is there and he met her when she was a makeup artist uh, and uh, so she like makes him up to look like this Italian uh, mobster and they go in and they trick him for a minute and then they like move on pretty quickly and are looking for the girls and they get caught and you know normal action movie kind of stuff, but like also with the tongue in cheek absurdist humor that's in the movie. Um, and, and then like once it gets to the end and like they catch there, they get to the embassy and, uh, 
the guy's like goes to kill Nick Cage. Um, it it does this wonderful because like the whole time uh, after Nick was supposed to leave, the CIA is like, hey, you need to figure out a way to stay longer. So he just he's like he comes up with the idea of writing a movie with Javi. Yeah. Uh, so they're working on this movie the whole time. And there's this wonderful uh, uh, transition from the very end of the actual story to them it being a movie. They're at the premiere of the movie that they wrote that is about the whole thing. And like every all the actors except for Nick Ch- Nick Cage changed, and like the location changes, and all the vehicles change, and everything. Yeah. Super beautiful transition. Yeah, it and was then so good. And then they're like in the audience at the premiere, and everybody loves it, and all this stuff, and it's great. Uh, and then it has some heartwarming stuff because like obviously there was a reason that his wife that Olivia is his ex because he was like too into his work and he didn't like pay attention to her or or to Addie and like there's a scene where they're doing uh like family therapy him and Addie are doing family therapy but like he's just talking and she's like just sitting on her phone because it's all about him and that's part of the problem (laughs) yeah uh so like there's you know the end is basically like he's starting to learn his lesson and Javi's like do you want to go to this after party and he's like no I'm going to go home uh and he goes and hangs out with his daughter and his ex-wife and he yeah. sort of hits on his ex-wife and grosses his daughter out <laughs> um and then uh he asks his daughter to watch a movie which is like I I actually almost teared up at this part because it's so awesome. Because yeah, it was pretty good. Earlier in the movie, they're talking about what their favorite movies are, and uh, you know, Javi's like, Face Off is number one, The Cabin of Dr. Caligari is uh, number two, which is a movie that Nick loves. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, oh man, thank you for one, and two, like, I thought I was the only person that liked that movie, blah, blah, blah. And then they kind of go for a while, and then he's like, so stop stalling, what's your number three? And he tells him it's Paddington 2. And he's like, what? That that does not make any sense with your, <laughs> you know, how do you get from Dr., uh, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari to Paddington 2? And, and Javi's like, I cried the whole time, and it made me want to be a better man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like bullshit <laughs> so then they watch it and nick is crying the whole time he's like oh my god this is like one of the best movies ever uh so then at the end when his daughter's like i want to watch paddington too he's just like has this like because the the whole time he's trying to like find common ground with his daughter but he doesn't know how to do it yeah he's like trying to show her the stuff that he likes and talk about it instead of asking her what she likes yeah so then when she says something that she likes and it's also something that he likes but he didn't know that he liked before it's like they had this connection but he didn't know about it and by asking her she like showed him this connection they had and it was fucking awesome yeah yeah and it's just like a really sweet moment it's like right at the end of the movie and you're just like oh my god what the fuck (laughs) um and yeah that's like the end of the movie and and I, i do have criticisms of this movie um but it's pretty fucking good yeah. That's it. That's all you got. Um, 
Yep. All right. Yeah. Gonna rate so. It? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Um, I think the movie as a whole is really, really fucking solid. Uh, really good. Uh, I like. So I want to talk about that transition. Uh, one more time. Yeah. Um, my the the thing I like the most about that transition is uh nothing unrealistic well no, <laughs> nothing completely like just completely insanely unrealistic happens in the movie no crashing cop cars into helicopters yeah there's nothing there's no over the top like i mean the movie is over the top but that's yeah. cuz nicolas cage is playing nicolas cage but there's nothing like insanely over the top or unrealistic about like the physics or how things work in the movie. Yeah. Until someone goes to throw a knife to Nicolas Cage <laughs> so mm. he can stab someone. Yeah. As it and he catches it twirling midair and then it transitions into being a movie. And I thought that that was just fantastic. Right. Like it was such a good way. Like the transition itself was great, but like the moment of the transition yeah, was just fucking wild. Yeah, the moment where you break into action movie rules. Yeah. 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 Like so like even the chase scenes like were were pretty mild. Like there's uh that second chase scene, there's a car that gets flipped. Mm. Um and like I mean it, the way it gets flipped like could happen. I've seen Reddit videos of it happening that yeah. way. <laughs> Yeah, so like I, I I thought that that was super interesting. I thought there was a lot there. You, like watching the movie, you can tell there was a lot of thought that went into the movie in general. Like it's yeah. it's got some very interesting depth and meta aspects to it. Yeah, uh, that I was just like pretty much blown away with. Like the meta work, especially like is some of the best meta work I think I've seen in a movie. Yeah, it's at least up there. It's like top tier level. Um, so I really enjoyed that because I love. I love stuff. I love the meta aspects of stuff. Yes. It isn't necessarily easy to do. No. Um, so when it's executed well, it makes me very happy. There's like, there's just a chord that it hits that just fucking, <laughs> I don't know. I love it. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, uh, and then the other scene that I really loved was, uh, when, He's being held down, so he's dressed up as Sergio, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, so he's being kind of like held there, and he has like a knife to his throat, and his his wife gets like this real like actor's moment to shine. Yes, and it it, it was fantastic too, and I loved that, and it it does just kind of come out of nowhere, but it yeah. is it's fucking great because the actress is Irish and she has an accent. Yeah. Like a heavy accent the whole yeah. movie. And then her character when they go in as as the Italian mob boss and his wife is Barbara from Santa Barbara and she pulls off like a fucking immaculate American accent. Yeah. And like a California like a subtle Californian accent. Yeah. Like a little bit of the, you know, valley girl, but not like over the top. And, uh, and then when Lucas, like, kind of, like, threatens to kill Sergio, she's just like, fucking do it. I'll still make this deal. Uh, basically saying that she's the real fucking power, or if he kills Sergio, that she will be. Yeah. You know, and then she's like, you can't fucking intimidate me. Yeah. 
Which is super believable from uh uh fuck, what's his name? Who? The cousin. Lucas? Yeah, Lucas. Yeah. Uh super believable from Lucas's perspective because that's literally the situation he's been in. <laughs> right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The even more brilliant. Shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like No, it's great. It's fantastic. And I love I love that part. Like when we when I watched it because I watched it by myself and then I watched it with you. Yeah. Uh and like that part really stuck out. Um the transition really stuck out. I really like the parts where he's talking to himself. Yeah, where he's talking to Nikki. Nikki. Yeah. <laughs> I hated Nikki. <laughs> we just, might be able to might we might be able to get you to like Nikki more. Why? I'll let you explain it. Oh, so Nikki is actually like a real appearance of Nick Cage. Like it's not use it's not like used footage or something, but like the the outfit, the haircut, and the attitude are all from an appearance that he made on a talk show in England uh, after Wild at Heart came out. Hmm. He was just like, I'm assuming coked out of his mind, and just like he he comes out, does like a fucking spring flip, and does a bunch of fucking karate kicks. And throws money into the audience. What the fuck? And then sits down and talks to this guy and is talking about how he's like chilled out since his, because Wild It Hurts, like his third movie that he's been in, uh, second like uh, lead role. Um, and uh, it, it's just a weird conversation he like takes his shirt off and gives it to the the guy that's interviewing him like it's just wild the whole thing is wild but it's the exact same t-shirt jacket haircut pants everything is exactly the same and the attitude is the same for nikki who's like his younger persona that he talks to so it was like peak ego cage yeah yeah coming back as his ego Yes. Yeah. All right. I don't hate Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like, and I'd seen that before. And like, when it came on the screen, I was like, is that, is that from that? That'd be awesome. And then I, I forgot about it. And then we watched it today and I was like, dude, I think that's from this like infinite infamous appearance he had. Uh, I think it was the show was like Wogan. Like yeah. that's the guy you, the if you search Nicholas so if you get on YouTube and you search Nicholas Cage Wogan W O G A N. Yeah, you can find the clip. Yeah. Uh it's, but it it it's fucking weird. Yeah. It like I know Nicholas Cage isn't like the most normal dude, and he's definitely eccentric in his own ways. Yeah. Um but this clip is fucking wild. Yeah, it's over. Like the top. all of his interviews are we watched like five interviews after the show. Or after we watched the movie. Yeah. And, like, all of his interviews are fucking weird. This one is... Has got top. to be, by the by far, the weirdest. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, he talks to this younger version of himself that's, like, his ego. And is, like, telling him to be a movie star and not be, like, an actor and stuff. And it's just so fucked up. Yeah. But it's, like, funny. Yeah. And, like... He like kisses himself, which was just like, what the fuck is <laughs> happening? Nick Cage smooch is good. Yeah. <laughs> Tell him. Tell him. 
Nick Cage smooch is good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I love God. I loved all the references like to his movies. I thought it would be closer. So it's not, but I thought it would be closer to his real life. Yeah. But it, it, it's not. So like Nick Cage doesn't have a daughter. He has three sons. Right. Uh, two older and the one he had not too long ago. Um, and then he said uh, in an interview on a late night show, which was his first appearance on a late night show in 14 years. Yeah. Or on, it was his first like talk show interview in like 14 years. Right. Um, that he, uh, the movie version of him was more career focused and he's never really, he said he's never really been like that. Yeah, so he was more like what he was saying to Nikki, but not actually what he was doing. Yeah. Because he was like letting Nikki talk him into being career focused and being like all about being a movie star and not being an actor. Yeah. Where he's more like, hey, I got a job. I'm going to do it for the money. I also want to like be fulfilled by it, but like it's a job. Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting. Barry, what did you like about it? I hated it. And I was like, damn it, why am I on this episode? And then they took LSD and it got super blatantly meta. And I was like, fuck, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) And then when it was over, I immediately watched it again. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We should have a big, maybe it's the drugs talking, but. We should have a big drug scene. Yeah, I think it was specifically when he was like, oh, we should put it in like a paranoid thrillery angle. Like, are those guys watching us? Yeah. And that that was the moment when I was like, fuck, I think I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the fucking wall. I know they showed the wall scene in like every fucking trailer, but it's still so good. <laughs> yeah. So I hadn't seen any trailers or anything for this. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I can't imagine getting thrown into this blind. This is the movie we're doing. So then I rented it and I was pissed. The the (laughs) beginning is like slow. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't, I mean. It's character driven. Yeah. Yeah. So after (laughs) I watched it the second time, I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. So I didn't hate it. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's. It's fucked up because I like I I also kind of felt the same way. Like I didn't hate it, but I was just like, "This is taking a while to get going." Yeah. But then I also this is this is my actual complaint. I'll I'll bring the actual complaint back at the end of this. But um, like I felt like it was taking a while to get places. But then like uh, once you know that the the whole meta is basically that it is the script that they're writing but as they're writing it so like their talk they're like i want it to be this and that's what the beginning of the movie is yeah and yeah. then like eventually they're like but we have to add in like this this hostage thing and then like it becomes more focused on the hostage thing and like all this stuff and like that's where that's how it like plays out is like the movie that they're writing in the movie. And like that made, when I watched it the second time that made me enjoy it more, but I still, I still have this complaint. It could have been like two hours and 10 minutes 
and I think it would have been better for it because there's a lot of scenes that they don't let breathe at all. Yeah. And you don't know like how you got to this point. Like the, in the beginning there's just like a sequence. It's like a, it's like a slice of life in his, of of like just like a regular day in the life of Nick Cage. Like he goes and gets lunch with this director, uh, tries to convince him to do, to have him in the movie. And that, but then like immediately after that it's nighttime and he's going to the party that he was supposed to go to. And he's like already getting a call from his agent about the, about the movie. And it's like, or like there's, there's a couple things in between there, but like you don't, it doesn't connect and flow and like explain how this time is passing. Okay. Very yeah. well. I, I agree with this. Yeah. Um, and like, that's just an example. Like one of the ones that really fucked with me was like, uh, there's a part where they're at the birthday party that he was actually hired to go to. And the CIA is like trying to get him to go in and like, uh, hook them into the security cameras. And then he's supposed to escape. Yeah. And they're like, there's like stuff that they don't, tell him how to do that he's doing and then like there's like this whole gag with this incapac- incapacitation like poison shit that he puts on his hand and they're like yeah just like we showed you only like they never talked about it until the moment that he uses it yeah and there's like a lot of stuff like that in the movie where it's like we filmed a scene and then we didn't think it was necessary so we cut it out so when we reference back to it it's awkward yeah, or and, it they didn't film it, and they were just trying to explain it through dialogue. Yeah, well, but like it's 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 like it was in there. It was at least in the script. Yeah, you know. And yeah, then probably. when they were like, we can just have this reference here, and we're not gonna like explain it any more than we already did. Mm-hmm. So we're just gonna cut that part, whether it was filmed or not. And like, it makes some of the transitions between scenes awkward and yeah. makes some of the stuff that they reference back to stuff that isn't in the movie awkward because yeah. like and it, and it fucks with some of the pacing too like because like you'll be like flowing really well and like and it weirds me out because some of the transitions are very well thought out because we talked about like the transition of uh from the movie to the movie in the movie right yeah um, there's a few other transitions that we haven't talked about that are also really good where somebody is talking, one of the CIA agents is talking to him about doing something at the party and it like fades into him being at the party and they're convincing him to do the thing while he's standing there yeah. having already said that he was going to do the thing, but now he's like thinking about having to do the thing. Yeah. And those are really good transitions. But then there's like other parts where it's like, we're going to transition from this to this with a smash cut and it also like doesn't explain how the fuck we got here yeah and i'm just like why are these transitions so fucking well and artfully done and then these transitions are just like jarring yeah and also make you feel like you missed you like blacked out for a second while you were watching the movie yeah so like that's that's my biggest complaint because like it's it's i could see i mean i could see that yeah it kind of throws me out of it a couple times like it draws me right back in but like it it's like it wasn't i don't know if they like didn't shoot enough or if they shot too much and then like the editing got messed up or like wasn't like 
handled correctly or like it makes me think that they shot they didn't shoot enough to where they could edit stuff in to make it the transitions better and explain some of the stuff so maybe it was in the script and then they cut it out of the script before they started shooting and then they were like fuck we probably should have shot like an hour or more (laughs) stuff so that we could fill in these gaps and make these transitions better yeah i can see that um the the pacing is I, the pacing in general is a little wonky. Uh, yeah, most of it I thought was explained through the meta aspects, which I think for the most part is awesome. Yeah, but I could foresee a general audience maybe not quite grasping. I guess the movie, but yeah, I definitely think it's worth a couple of watches. Yeah. Like, very watching it twice. Like, I, I think if I watched it again, I think it'd make the mood. I'd enjoy it even more. Yeah, it was definitely worth watching it the second time. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it more the second time. I still enjoyed it the first time, but I enjoyed it more the second time. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's not really often that we get movies that are more enjoyable on the second watch. No. Like... That's, I mean, they're out there. They do exist, but I feel like they're few and far between. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I get, yeah, I get your complaint. I also too wish the movie was like two hours and 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I just had fun the whole fucking time. Yeah. Like, you just end up wanting more of it. Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was so fucking enthralled. Um, Nicholas Cage does a great job. But Pedro Pascal, man, I'm so glad he took this fucking role. Yes. Because, like, most of what we've seen him in, like, he hasn't really got a chance to, like, show this kind of range. And then he shows up in this movie and then shows all the range throughout the whole fucking movie. Yeah. There's (laughs) crying, there's anger, there's, like, fucking absurd humor, there's everything. Yeah. It's so great. Like... Uh, you know, first time I seen him was in Game of Thrones. Uh, he was the Red Viper. Um, and, like, he does a great job in that movie and playing mm. that character. And he's one of the better... He is one of the better highlights going from the books to the show as far as, like, how the character's portrayed and him portraying the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, he's, you know, he's he's the Mandalorian and the Mandalorian. And... Like that's all good and well, but like he doesn't. There's, there's not. He doesn't. He's got a mask on almost the whole time, and well, a helmet, I guess. Whatever. Uh, he's got a helmet on the whole time, and that's that's kind of like a one-dimensional character. And then he uh, he's in The Last of Us now, um, and I mean we only got two episodes so far, but. Not there's like there it's it's good acting. He does a good job acting in The Last of Us. Sure, but there's not a whole lot that his like like there's not a whole lot of range for his character to reach to. Yeah, at least at the moment we get like there's some stuff in the beginning of the first episode, and then you kind of see little nuances of his character like coming out like throughout the first two episodes, but not anything compared to the range we see him doing this and i'm just so fucking glad that it was him in this role as javi yeah um this is like five different movies smashed into one movie though (laughs) yeah it is yeah and like i i i 
I like the movie a lot. I would have been interested to see the movie had they not turned it into an action film. Mm. Like, mm. had it genuinely just been Nicolas Cage hanging out with Pedro Pascal for two hours, like, doing silly shit because they're both rich. <laughs> like, that also would have been a good movie, I think. I don't know. But this this movie was incredible. I just... Completely blown away. Holy shit. Pedro was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 99. Touched by an Angel in 2000. NYPD Blue in 2001. Uh, can you see what he was in Buffy? He was just uh, he was like a vampire lackey, wasn't he? Uh, He was Eddie in one episode. Uh, season four, episode one, The Freshman. He's kind of like hot shit right now. Yeah. I feel like he's in everything. But, right. But like, I didn't really know anything about him before. I mean, I don't really know actors or anything like that. I don't really care about celebrities. Sometimes I enjoy their art. And that's as far as it goes. Right. But, uh, what was I watching? Oh, I was watching The Last of Us with Abby, and she was like, what do I know him from? So then I was looking, he's been in a ton of shit. Yeah. Just a lot of, like, like no, one nothing off roles. Yeah. I think maybe he dies uh, in that episode of Buffy. Yeah. He's just, like, a guy that she meets, and then he disappears. Yeah. Uh, he's in a he's, bunch of Law and Order. Uh, he's like in the cold open. Yeah, he's in like CSI, uh, Nikita, Homeland. Um, yeah, so a bunch of like one or two episode role, roles, uh, and then really his big thing was being uh, the Viper uh, in Game of Thrones. And then he was in Graceland, uh, The Mentalist, uh, Bloodsucking Bastards, Sweets, uh, Great Wall, Kingsman, Golden Circle, Equalizer 2. Uh, he was Maxwell Lord in Wonder Woman 1984, which he was like fantastic in that, in a terrible, terrible movie. Um, yeah. I still don't watch that. Don't worry about it. Uh, see if you can find an edit that's just like his parts. <laughs> so you can just like see Pedro being cool. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. He's, he's great in this. Uh, I just, I think he's r really great. It's kind of like, uh, fuck, what's his fuck? Uh, he's in Hannibal. Uh, we like got him too late. Oh, uh, Mads. Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen. We just got him too late. You know, like we should have. This guy should have had like a fucking huge career since since his like twenties. Yeah, and he should have been like a fucking huge movie star. I mean, yeah. he is now, but he should have yeah. been for like the last twenty years, not just now. Yeah, I mean, I am excited to see what he does moving forward. Oh yeah. And I mean, he is 
he's the primary reason I start. I wanted to watch The Last of Us. Like they cast him, and I was like, "Fuck yes, give me more." Yeah. <laughs> like so, like he he is the draw for me on The Last of Us because I didn't play the video games. I mean, I like the idea and the concept and stuff, but you should absolutely play the game, at least the first one. It's like yeah, top five best games ever, probably. That's. I mean, I hear that a lot. Like. I just haven't, I don't know. I didn't have access to it for the longest time. I also feel like that's not really the kind of game that Russell plays. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, because it's like, it's pretty streamlined, right? Like, it's not like open world, sandboxy, or... No, it tells a story. Yeah. Yeah, You can just watch the show for that. that. (laughs) That's kind of why I'm watching the show. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, sometimes one will like. It's a stick very out similar story. It's not exactly the same story. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, is I mean, is the girl the immunity in the game? Yeah. <laughs> Why were you? It's already spoiled in the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like you know, in the first five minutes, like well, not the first five minutes of the show, but when she shows up, you're like, oh. Okay. Yeah. If you don't, then you haven't seen 28 Days Later. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> 28 weeks later. 28 weeks later. Um. But, yeah. So, I mean... Was there anything else you didn't like about it, Barry? Just, like, the pacing the first time until you were like, oh! I didn't watch it a third time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, the first time I watched it, I was like, uh, and then I was like, oh, yeah. And then the second time, I was like, yeah, I'm into all of this. Yeah. I think, so, like, Moulin Rouge is probably my favorite movie. And it's kind of the same thing where they're like writing a story about the story in the story. And this does the same thing. So, like, maybe I'm just into that idea. Mm hmm. <laughs> Okay. I yeah. mean, it is a neat idea. I like it a lot. <clears throat> this is for sure my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. Oh. Followed, I mean, I'm with him on that. Followed by, <laughs> like, just go on YouTube and Google Nicolas Cage loses this shit. It's probably my second favorite <laughs> Nicolas Cage movie. Just him doing all his, like, freaking out scenes. Mm. Um, and then maybe gone in 60 seconds I I don't I've never really cared about Nicolas Cage I've always liked Nicolas Cage um, but this month has given me a particular affinity to Nicolas Cage now because <laughs> yeah. I've always been like oh Nick's in that I'm gonna watch it And but now I'm like fuck I want to watch like 10 more Nick movies but I mean, I, 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 I do think this is probably like one of his best. This is definitely one of his best movies. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, it might be my favorite. I don't know. I'd have to watch Gone in sixty seconds again and then decide which one's my favorite. That one's got like. I mean, I haven't seen it since it was in Blockbuster or whatever. <laughs> so there's like some nostalgia there. Just like hanging out watching a movie with my dad. Mm. Yeah. So like maybe it's not even good. 
Which one? It's still in my top three. Gone in 60 seconds. Mm. Mm. Nah, it's pretty fucking good. (laughs) I mean, I haven't watched it in a long time either, so maybe not, but... (laughs) I always Um, like The Rock. The Rock's really good. I don't know that I knew anything about that movie until this month. The Rock? Yep. Jesus Have you seen Christ. it? No, I know there's like... It's like an unofficial James all, Bond sequel. All I know is that there's green balls, and they're bad. In the elegant string of pearls configuration. Had you watched Snake Eyes before we did it for the show? I don't think I even watched it for the show. Oh, bro. You gotta watch Snake Eyes. It's fucking I just dope. edit out that I asked you that question. <laughs> bro, no. You I'm gotta watch I, watched, I watched Bad Lieutenant. Meh. Meh. Uh-huh. I started watching Mandy and then fell asleep. Oh. Oof. And then there was a chainsaw going off and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Woke up for the chainsaw fight. Um. Oh no! I saw them burn his wife or whatever. Then I fell back asleep and then woke up for the chainsaws. Mm. The Rock, Snake Eyes, Face Off. Con- I don't know. Everyone lists Con Air, but like, I don't know that I ever really thought Con Air was that great of a movie. Yeah. Like it's. I agree with that. It's fun. Like it's yeah. interesting. Like Nicolas Cage has like an interesting performance but oh that was one of the best meta parts of this movie you brought up con air and then he has like a terrible accent in that yeah so when he's playing the italian mob boss he's just like has this shitty italian accent right yeah and then when so he talks to he talks to Lucas once and then when he they get caught trying to find the girls his accent is different and that's when yeah, that's that's when Olivia's like <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> because he has a terrible time keeping accents and i was just like that is the funniest shit that is fucking awesome yeah yeah, and then like he has some other good movies that are that are in there. He definitely has some other movies that I didn't say that are better than Con Air. Like yeah. Leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's I mean but there was a time where he was I mean, and he had to because I don't remember exactly what happened, but his accountant ran off with a bunch of his money. There was, was a it? bunch of shit that happened, uh, like a bunch of his shit got stolen and like somebody took money from him. I think he also like, he was, and like we, we said that we watched a bunch of interviews. He also just like spent money for it, f- like flagrantly on dumb shit that, yeah. and then he would like, like give it away. Two headed snake. Like a two headed snake that he paid $80,000 for. Um, Dude, it was two headed snake though. If I had Nick Cage money, I'd have probably paid eighty thousand dollars for two headed snake too. He paid a hundred and fifty million dollars for a uh a T Rex skull and then had to give it back for, to the government that he bought it from and then never got the money back. What the fuck? Yeah. Like just shit like that. He's like spending a exorbitant money on like random cool stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, if if like a fucking fourteen year old got the 
got fucking movie money. Yeah. And then was just like, I'm going to buy a bunch of cool shit. Yeah. Uh, one of the interviews we watched, he, uh, he, there's a, there was a thing on his Wikipedia page about him asking his uncle to like, uh, do screen tests or to, yeah, to do a screen test, do a screen test with him and show you what real acting was. And then, never hurt his uncle for those who don't know uh the uninitiated uh it is his uncle is francis ford coppola yeah that's uncle right yeah his uncle yeah his uncle. yeah because his his name is actually uh nicholas coppola yeah and he's only i think he's he might be credited as nicholas coppola in in this but he's originally like the only other movie i think was uh fast times yeah uh where he's just like a He's not an extra, but he's pretty fucking close to being an extra. Yeah, he's a side character. I think he's got like two scenes. He yeah. might have three. I think it's two. Two um, scenes, maybe a line. Yeah. I, th- um, I think in this, he's credited as, as Nick Cage playing Nicholas Coppola. Mm. I think that's what it said on IMDb. But he uh, he confirmed uh, doing the GQ quiz, is what it was, that his uncle didn't really help him. And I thought that that was interesting because there's usually like a lot of nepotism. No. When it says as in the, that's what they, yeah, that's what, so this is what they're credited as for the movie. So this is the actual, this is like the common name, character name, credited as. Okay. So, I think Nick Cage was... Whoa, I went too far back. I went back to Mandy. We're talking about Mandy now. No. uh, So it looks like he was credited as Nicholas Kim Coppola for this movie. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That that was funny. Because like they were in a car together. Yeah. And he was just like, hey... We do some screen tests. I'll show you what real acting was. And <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola just didn't reply. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like might be like, I, I, like pretension on Francis Ford Coppola's part. Because like, if you think about like everything Nick's done, like it's not really stuff that like Coppola would have done. Yeah, you know. So like I don't, I don't know you know I'm just speculating but it's uh I definitely thought it was interesting yeah oh also they called Javi Javi Ford Coppola yeah just so you know. that was fucking great I loved that yeah I laughed so hard I laughed so much throughout this movie yeah. it's good uh you guys want to do trivia yeah all right let's let's uh let's go down to Shane's trivia cul-de-sac or something just doesn't have the fucking ring of the dave's trivia corner do you think he'd mind if we borrowed his corner i mean if we like don't piss on the floor he won't notice right i mean he's not here and you're still gonna make me go to this corner yeah (laughs) yeah i guess all right, welcome to Dave's Trivia Corner without Dave. 
Uh, the point of this corner is to say, ooh. Yes. Neat. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just fucking up all of Dave's shit this week. Uh, it's just no apocalypse. That's why Dave's not here. So, one of the questions that I thought about doing on the weekly, but it wasn't for the weekly, it was for DQP does, so I was like, nah. Um, I'm pretty sure originally the point of the show was to say, huh, neat. I'm not sure exactly when that got changed. Oh, shit. Probably during Batman. When you started doing the Joker voice, you still yeah. do? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, neat. Anyway. Uh... Uh, a sequence involving Nicolas Cage reprising some of his most iconic roles, like Face Off, Con Air, Leaving Las Vegas, and Gone in 60, 60 Seconds, in a long black and white fight sequence between him and his younger self in a surrealist German expressionist set evoking the cabinet of Dr. Caligari was cut from the film as the studio thought it didn't fit the third act. According to Cage, the deleted scene will be released on home media. Fucking what? (laughs) You're right, Shane. A two hour and ten minute cut of this movie would have been better. (laughs) Oh, fuck. I've never actually seen the cabinet of Caligari. Caligari. The Um, island of Calamari. Yeah. And when she (laughs) said that in the movie, I thought she was talking about the the island of Dr. Monroe. Moreau. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Moreau. I thought she, I thought that's what she was talking about, and I was like, in my head, I was like, "This is a weird fucking." And then he corrects her, and I was like, "I don't know what that is." Like, like I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Oh man, there's some wild ones for this. Uh. Nicolas Cage thought Javi was the best written character in the movie, so much so that when he even asked to trade parts, as he thought playing his own biggest fan was more meta than playing himself. It wasn't until Pedro Pascal was cast that Cage eventually relented. What the fuck? I do want to see that version of the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, he also, like, in one of the interviews he said, uh, that we watched, he said that he didn't want to... First, he, like, didn't want to be in it because he didn't want to play himself. But then, like, he also said it would have been more interesting if someone else had played him. Because then it just would have been wild. Yeah. Yeah. Should have been John Travolta. (laughs) Is that the guy in Face Off? Yeah. I have seen that movie. Okay. That would have been funny. Yeah. Um... Or like, how fucked up would it have been if John, if he would, if John Travolta would have cameoed as Sergio? John Travolta cameos as Nicolas Cage playing Sergio. Playing Sergio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie could have been better. Could have been. That was pretty good though. It was pretty great. <laughs> uh, according to Neil Patrick Harris, Nicolas Cage had body makeup to cover his tattoos. When asked, Cage. Uh, when when he asked Cage why uh, Nick Cage the character doesn't have the tattoos Nicholas Cage the real person has, Cage said the character didn't have as many wives as him. <laughs> oh my god, that's neat and hilarious. Yeah, uh, this is Nicholas Cage's hundred and fourth film role. 
Jesus. Yeah. So right before recording started, I was like, they want to do this every year? They're going to run out of movies. Mm-mm. Nah. <laughs> we got a while. Yeah. Uh, the original script had a plot point involving Nicholas Nicholas Cage chasing down Quentin Tarantino to earn a role in his next movie, but was changed to another scene featuring a cameo appearance from director David Gordon Green. Hmm. Uh... That cameo definitely would have stuck out harder if it was Quentin Tarantino, because I didn't know who the fuck that dude was. Hmm. Yeah, I have no idea. I knew he was a director. I didn't know what his name was. Uh, according to Tiffany Haddish, she told Nicolas Cage a story about having sex while watching Face Off as her first time in a movie theater. Cage laughed about it, saying it was a symbol of their impending marriage. <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay <laughs> uh, in real life when Nicolas Cage is referred to by his nickname it's spelled Nick Cage N-I-C uh, this film makes it clear that the lead character's name is spelled N-I-C-K uh, to make it clear that while the character is based on the actor, it's still a fictional character. It's unnecessary? <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's just weird shit, man. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to find a couple of more good ones. Uh, in real life, Pedro Pascal is a genuine fan of Nicolas Cage. I could see that on his face the entire movie. Yeah. Oh, here we go. It's the first time since Fast Times at Ridgemont High that Nicolas Cage is credited with his real name, Nicolas Kim Coppola. To make it clear that Nick Coppola is not Nick Cage that's in the movie. Right. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What the fuck? Pedro Pascal wrecked 14 prop cars during the acid trip running scene where he was required to bounce off the bonnet of a car. He was unhurt during this stunt. He did that stunt 14 times and he didn't get hurt. Fucking you go, Joel. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why did they have to do it so many times? You didn't did that one enough. Take it again. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, let's see. Let me try and find a couple more. Um, Tiffany Haddish's character in the original script was a male CIA agent described as a weary, overweight man named Irving Duquesne. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What? I don't have anything to say about that. (laughs) It's just weird, man. Uh... I was hoping there was something in there about the shoes. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Or I keep looking. Like it was improvised. (laughs) 
Oh, here's one. The sunglasses worn by Javi when he first meets Nicolas Cage on the dock are the same model of Ray-Ban Olympian 2s that Cage wore in Wild at Heart 1990. Hmm. Ooh, neat. That's some good shit right there. We'll end on that one. That's that's a good like like random weird prop trivia thing. All right. Well, that was Dave's trivia corner. Where the point of this 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 segment is for you to say. Oh, neat. Yeah. I'm I'm butchering all of Dave's stuff. I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> Oh, Dave. <laughs> All right. Let's rate this movie. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. This is an eight. Um, like I said, I think it should have been a little longer. There's some parts that definitely like it feels like it got cut. Um, uh, and just like didn't get glossed, you know, like didn't get smoothed over in the editing. Um, and like the, the pacing overall. And like we read about that scene that got removed where I feel like that would have been fantastic. Um, and it's not like the most amazing movie ever, but it's really good. I, I think it's it's funny where it needs to be funny. The meta aspect is fantastic. That's probably actually like one of the best parts of the movie. It's just yeah. like uh the fact that it's it really is a movie and a movie where they talk about making the movie. It's like which is fucking crazy. And like even with the way that it's paced and everything is like yeah. part of that. Um which is really interesting and I like that a lot. Um, their chemistry is fucking off the chain. Like yeah. it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, they should do more movies together. Just yeah. like I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think I think it could have been better, but it was pretty fucking good. Uh, eight out of ten. Yeah, it's pretty great, Russell. Um, I'm also gonna give it an eight. Uh. I fucking love it. I do, but I, I, I do think it needed to be longer. Um, it would have made the pacing a little less wonky. Yeah. Uh, but I don't. I mean, overall, I don't necessarily really have any like complaints about the movie. But it's it's really fucking good. It's absolutely absurd in the greatest way. Um, yeah. You said the you said their chemistry. You brought up their chemistry, and like their chemistry is so great. I want a buddy cop movie. Mm. Yeah, like I want them to stay. I want them to be friends, but I want the buddy cop movie to end, like in real life, where they're Pedro Pascal and <laughs> Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Fuck. And they were making a movie. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time, <laughs> the same, the same twist, the same meta twist. Yeah. Um. Well, no, like backwards. So you see yeah, the whole you, movie you first. See, watch the movie. Yeah. And then, like, they kill the bad guy, 
and say they're they're too old for this shit. And then it pans out and they're on a movie set and they're like, all right, cool. We did it. Fucking yeah. let's go. <laughs> let's go get some fucking lobster. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I loved the movie. I, I thought it was great. Uh, I do. I, I will give it an eight though, because I do think it needed to be longer and it could have been better. And there's probably going to be some stuff that got cut that we're going to eventually see that. I, uh, I'm going to be mad. They didn't leave in the theatrical cut. Yeah. So, but yeah, I give it an eight. Okay. Barry? 8.5. Okay. And like I said, it's my favorite Nick Cage movie. But I've also said I've only seen like five. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love the writing a story about the story in the story. Uh, it, it it just works for me, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. Like, a, there's, like, a lot of, like, weird transitions. Like, some, like you said, some of them are, like, the meta thing. The shoe thing, like, I don't know what the fuck that was about. Like, let's trade shoes. I fucking hate your shoes. <laughs> I don't know why, but I love that. Yeah. No, that shoe, the shoe part is great. Also, like, where the shoe part is placed. Because they're, like, both thinking they have to kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just, like, have this, like, one last, like, super endearing moment together. And, like, they're like, I want to have a part of you. Yeah. And they're both thinking the same thing. And then yeah. they don't end up killing each other. And then it becomes a gag later. <laughs> these, <laughs> these shoes have no ankle support. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Fucking penny loafers. <laughs> There's also, like, some, like, cool, like, in the beginning when it's, like, the character thing, like, Nick's supposed to be like super self-absorbed. Yeah. And like there was I feel like it was probably a very little thing, but it stood out to me. Like when he dropped his daughter off with his wife, ex-wife, and then he like got on the phone and left and just left their front door open. Yeah. Like I felt like like that's a good way to show that he's not thinking about anything other than himself and that movie. Right. Just totally forgot about that door. Yeah. There's, yeah. Little, there's some there's some little shit like that. You know, like the scene at the end, I got choked up. She and she was like, "Let's watch Paddington." Yeah, I don't know. It's I mean, it's it's like a bunch of different parts from all kinds of different kinds of movies, but they like made it all work. Yeah, like it shouldn't have worked, but it did. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I'm upset about that part not being in it because that's like a whole nother random thing that they. Yeah. That they could have put in, but yeah, I want to know where. I think it's. I think like they left the beginning of it in, where he talks to himself right before he leaves the safe house that the CIA had. He like goes into like that black and white, like mind space, and sits on the stool and talks to Nikki for a minute, and like it ends basically with. Nikki hitting him and he gets back up and Nikki's like you're gonna fucking kill both of us and then he just walks away yeah I think that's where it goes I think that part kept going yeah it was like to show him breaking down his own ego yeah yeah instead of just walking away yeah I'm shitty that's not in there now yeah yeah but okay so two eights and an 8.5 yep that's super solid it's yep. a good, it's a good, good capstone on our first annual Nick Cage month. Yeah, 
Uh, oh my god. You know what next month is? Next month is Heavy Sad Boy February. Uh, no. We gotta watch fucking... What, what are we doing first? When Harry Met Sally. When Harry Met Sally. So it's not too heavy yet. No. But the next three movies. Whew! Yeah. So uh, next next week will be our first week of February, which has uh, the uh, wonderful or dreaded uh, holiday of Valentine's Day. Yep. Uh, and we're going to do um, movies about love. Not necessarily well. rom-coms. <laughs> we're doing breakup movies. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're about love. Just they are about not love. necessarily about it going well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we have uh, I have the list. Oh, are you gonna unveil the whole list? Should we not? Oh, I don't know. I think that that would you know we just announce. Um. Yeah, I think maybe. I think that would be good. Okay. Okay. That's fine. I was just asking. <laughs> so he was all confident, and then you said a thing, and it totally broke his confidence. Like, no, I wanted to make sure I was we were all on confident, the same page. And then he said, Me six. It totally broke my confidence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, this is what we got coming up for you. So next week is When Harry Met Sally. Yes. Followed by a wonderful little piece that is probably one of my favorite movies ever made. Oh. Eternal Sunshine on a Spotless Mind. Oh. I fucking love that movie. Uh-huh. It's a oh. good fucking movie. After that, we have another heavy movie that is so fucking weirdly grounded in like such the wrong way. Uh, Marriage Story, oh. which will be Shane's first time. Uh huh. Yeah, and then uh, I've seen some of the arguments played out by uh, Disney characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, that's gonna be an interesting piece. Uh, oh, that is a Netflix God. movie. That is a Netflix original. Stars Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Um. And then followed by that, we will really, really just be, you know, at the bottom of the barrel of sadness uh, with a movie called Malcolm and Marie. Uh, I thought you were going to say Marley and me. Oh, fuck, dude. (laughs) We're not doing Dead Animal Month. That's fucking, that's too far. I can't do that. (laughs) I've actually never seen it. Oh, really? Spoilers. <laughs> no, I mean, I know. Marley and Me is fucking rough, bud. Yeah. If you do ever watch it. Like, I won't. Yeah, you probably, probably don't. <laughs> yeah. If you want to just, like, curl up in a ball and cry for a month. Don't. There, there's uh, a particular scene that, like, killed me when I watched it. And basically, like, he... Uh, Owen Wilson comes in. (laughs) Tell Barry about it. (laughs) All right, I'll tell Barry about it. Anyway, no, I wasn't going to say Marley and Me. Um, It is Malcolm and Marie, which is a Netflix original. It stars uh, John David Washington and Zendaya. They're the only two people in the movie. It is in black and white. 
and it is also a Netflix original. Yeah. I think I already said that. But. You did. All right. So that's what we're doing for Heavy Sad Boy February. Yep. Ugh. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. You can find us on all our social media, uh, searching Drafty Quarters Productions. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon. Please subscribe to our $1 tier. We will be putting up new Patreon-exclusive stuff soon uh, in the next month or so. Yeah, during Heavy Sad Boy February. Oh, during Heavy Sad Boy February, we will be posting a a new Patreon-exclusive episode of something. On Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day. We haven't announced what it is, have we? No. We still haven't announced what it is. Yeah. Maybe You'll we'll get a uh, maybe snippet we'll, on Instagram. Maybe we'll say something about it next week. Yeah. That it's coming out on February yeah. <laughs> 14th. But anyway. Yeah. Uh so please subscribe to our one dollar tier. You can listen to that. We're also going to put up our archived content at some point. Uh we're missing some of it, so I gotta find it. Uh <laughs> I mean I have to say that. Well, <laughs> Uh, there's some episodes that I edited and posted on on uh, Podbean to get them to all of our distribution of the the Podosphere, uh, and I didn't put them on uh, Dropbox because I was the one uploading them. So then Russell started doing it. So I was then at some point, I think it Black Panther is the first one that I put up on Dropbox because we did did. Our original show was DQP does the MCU. Yeah. Um, so that's like was, what, like we have all of those twelve movies in. We have all of those. Yeah, we have I mean, all I the tell DQP you. does the MCU movie ones. Uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is Blade Runner twenty forty nine to Lucky Number Eleven. Was I editing those? Yeah, I was. Oh, okay. It was, it. Some of those were during COVID when you were recorded from your house. When we didn't live together. Okay. Anyway, we'll figure it out, guys. And then we'll put archive stuff up there. Because I think we... What's our cutoff right now? Uh, Two, I think, 200 episodes. So, does anybody know where that stops? What's the last, the oldest episode that's up? I don't think I denoted that. Okay. That's fine. That's whatever. But we don't have all our episodes up if you want to go spelunking into our archives and listen to us sound bad, probably. Um, maybe do a better job at running a show than I have today, but... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, find us on Patreon, Draft Recorders Productions, subscribe to our $1 tier. Uh, please, if you're listening to this and you've never talked to us before... Please email us, draftyq at gmail.com. We want to hear from any listeners that are not this. I mean, we want to hear from our regular listeners, too, um, that that regularly communicate with us. We love hearing from them, but we also want to hear from anybody that has not ever emailed us before. Even, even you know, if you just, like, are saying hi, just fucking say hi, please. Draftyq at gmail.com. Well, the last episode that is up is uh, DQP does mob movies, The Godfather Two. Oh man! So you, the first, <laughs> the first one of that series isn't up, up up there anymore. So when this airs, this episode. Oh, so it'll be Godfather Part Three, or no? It'll be two more. Come off. Casino will be the casino will oldest. Be the oldest one. So Godfather's gone. Godfather's gone. All three of them. Unless you get on our Patreon. Unless you get on our Patreon. 
All right, but hold on a second. We have an email that we have to read. The email reads, Dear Drafty Quarters Productions, My name is Nicholas Cage. You <laughs> may have heard of me. I was in Face Off. First off, I just wanted to thank you for recognizing all my hard work and highlighting just a fraction of my many classic films. You're welcome, Nick Cage. I really enjoy your show. I especially like that Dave. He seems really cool. I would never write an email pretending to be me. Uh-huh. Nick uh-huh. Cage. <laughs> Anyways, I thought I would rate my newest film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I would give it an 8.5. I thought that my very good friend Pedro Pascal did a tremendous job, and I really loved how the movie weaved comedy, action, and heartfelt storytelling into a truly enjoyable film. Didn't give his own movie a 10. I can absolutely see myself adding this into my pantheon of Nick Cage movies. I'd watch over and over again. Well, that's all I have for you. I wish you the best of luck on your show. Stay creative and stay true. Yours forever. Nicholas Cage. Uh-huh. Sure. P.S. Put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> um, <sighs> thanks for the email, Nick Cage. Yep. I'm sure that that's you. Totally. Not. Someone else who might be missing today. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, have a good night. Thanks for coming out. Bye. You're Nick fucking! Woo! Cage! This has been a production of the Drafty Quarters Podcast Network.